Do you ever just get sad when you look at the internet? How do you mean? So for some reason, I don't know why I'm on BuzzFeed.com. Okay. And the headline story is uh, Sydney hostage sees uh, siege uh, something something, and then right next to it, uh, fourteen reasons why Puppy Bowl is the best sports competition ever conceived, promoted by Geico Insurance. <laughs> like, seriously, I, I recommend you go there because it's a serious news story where many people were killed, and then a picture of a dog and a insurance ad. And that seems to be done in poor taste. <laughs> it's new media. Hmm. I mean, that. Oh, I mean that that probably happened with newspapers, right? I don't think the New York Times has ever run a thing where they talk about uh, a uh, a puppy Super Bowl uh, next to like the Challenger explosion, which I think was like fifteen years ago today or something, or twenty five years ago. Maybe not as dramatic as that, but I would I would have to imagine there have been examples in the past of in magazines, newspapers, whatever, any other sort of media where maybe two stories which didn't quite belong next to each other ended up in a similar position as what you're describing on BuzzFeed. I don't know. Well, actually, no, to continue on this, uh, right below the uh, Sydney uh, hostage siege thing is uh, 33 terrifyingly adorable pit bulls. (laughs) Literally right below it. And something about wife stabs husband with a squirrel. I think I think all I'm this, this is the internet. Well, mm, that's BuzzFeed. I don't know if that's I don't It's everything. I don't know if BuzzFeed is necessarily what I would consider to be representative of the internet as a whole. I think it kind of is. <sighs> because everything is going to this whole uh clickbaity uh nonsense uh type of type of posting. Right? I think I think a lot of websites are doing that, but I don't think every website is doing that. Who's not? I don't think like the New York Times does that. So I like that that's that's the jump. There's the BuzzFeed and everything else, and then there's the New York Times. There's nothing really in between. <laughs> I don't really think um, ESPN does that. Okay, you're naming like the only three good websites <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> um, All right. Well, Ashley, so do you want to talk about one less website on the internet that was good? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of things that make me sad. Um, to be honest, I don't. I don't really read or care too much about video games but i mean i remember back in the day i did read uh, like in gadget and joystick kind of equally back when they were kind of the uh the original like kind of new media things right does it make sense it does because back in the old days there was there was like ign which was good but then terrible and then there was like cnn and then you had like the whole like 2007 came around there was the iphone and then there was uh in gadget joystick uh the unofficial web uh, unofficial apple weblog and all that kind of stuff right also the story here is uh joystick is i I guess this is still a rumor i don't know if this is official yet i mean it may as well be i suppose but uh it's it's shutting down um and i mean in addition to being a website that you and i have enjoyed and you know are are sad to, to see go the reason why i thought the story was fascinating is because when this happened, um, what was this, two or three days ago, the um, em- employees at Joystick actually learned of the news just in exactly the same way that we did. 
through you know third party sources through through other websites. I just think that's um, really interesting that with just the way the kind of rumor led news cycle on the internet works now, how you can learn that you're no longer going to have a job through some third party source. That just seems this just seems very odd. It does, but I also really enjoy, I think they covered it in the best way possible, which is just, um, it was a picture of a really sad puppy, and it was them reporting on somebody else's reporting that their own website was going to be closed down. They did handle it very well, but I mean, you agree, right, that I think, especially when it comes to something as serious as losing your job, you anybody really deserves to find out the right way. And I just think it's, I think it's kind of a shame that you know, these these people had to find out that their livelihood was being changed through some anonymous source on a different website. Yeah. So their their post reads, uh, AOL is likely to shutter joystick, reports recode. Hey, wait a minute, that's us. Well, we may as well handle the news the same way we've been covering everything else in the video game industry for ten years. Sources tell us joystick uh sources tell joystick that the staff is aware of the closure, but corporate hasn't officially told them. So they're unable to acknowledging anything out of concern for their own immediate shutdown. And then the sad puppy. Yeah. So it's a bummer. Does anybody read uh, that Polygon website that's supposed to be like the the Verge, but for uh, games? I've I've seen stories from it, but I don't subscribe to their RSS feed. I may yeah, I may end up doing that though. Now that I'm not going to have joystick. Hmm. The only two gaming RSS feeds I have are Joystick and Kotaku, so going to need something to replace Joystick with. Yep. Uh, well, we'll pour, pour one out for Joystick. I never understood what that expression means. I don't really either. That's a good point. <laughs> you, just, you just use it in any I just use it. I just, you know, I, I, follow, um, I follow what the kids do, you know. So is that supposed to be pouring out a 40? Um, yeah, I, I guess so. I suppose you could pour out a 40 if you really care about, you know, who you're pouring one out for. And then maybe just, you know, a regular 12-ounce can for something that you aren't quite as invested in. Yeah. That's, that's probably how that works, I think. <sighs> also, on top of that BuzzFeed uh, serious news article oh, is a GIF, a GIF of Snooki. <laughs> Uh, and several gifts that uh, perfectly capture your night. So, so you you land on the side of the uh, gif side of the gif gif war. There's there's no other side. Didn't it come out that the guy who invented them says that they're pronounced? Who cares? GIF? It doesn't matter. I, that, I think that does matter though. No. <laughs> That's like if like the, like somebody <laughs> like the. What's what's a new thing? I don't know. This is you know this is actually I, I'm I'm sorry I'm totally just throwing you under the bus here, but um it's one of my favorite moments when, when I'm going back and editing the show is um these instances where you attempt to come up with an, an analogy and just um just just aren't able to follow through with it. I it, it gives me a chuckle every time it happens. Fine. Well, anyway, what I was gonna, <laughs> what I was gonna say, which wouldn't have worked out, as I said, what if the guy who invented Canada? Had said it's called Canada. Yeah, see, that's actually and that makes no sense. that's actually my second favorite thing is when you do finish the analogy and it's just it's just it's not very good. 
That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. Well, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll edit all this out. No, I'm fine. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> where was it? Uh, I, was it? I'm, it's unclear. Um, oh, you're talking about uh, animated GIFs. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think you're thinking of GIFs. No. <laughs> um, how, do, how do you pronounce, um, a PNG file? Exactly as you just said it. Okay. Is there? I mean, is there an alternative? Certain people call them ping files, and I don't, no. I don't, I don't understand that mm -hmm. at all. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So give me, uh, give me uh, your best, your best thing of the week. Well, okay. So you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a finance guy, as you know, Carlos. A fi finance guy by day, podcaster by night, as, as you famously have said about me. Um, so I feel like we would, this show's going great. <laughs> I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't talk at least a little bit about the earnings that came out this week. They've kind of all the big, all the big tech companies coming out this week. You, you do you agree? I mean, we're, it's not a finance show, but we should at least maybe give some of the highlights. Yeah, go for it. Um, so I think the most interesting one to me anyway is Apple. Um, mostly just because of the sort of just staggering numbers that they came out with this quarter. So, um, what is this about? A little under seventy-five billion dollars of revenue, um, of which they sold almost seventy-five million iPhones, twenty-one million iPads, and then about five and a half million Macs. Um, I think the, the in, in addition to it's kind of, kind of I guess two ways to best capture what these numbers mean. The first is I think Apple had something like I think it was 18 billion in profit, which is the single most profitable quarter of any company in the history of ever. And I think the other stat was of the top. 20 quarters that have ever been recorded by, um, I, guess we should, I guess we should say these are public companies. Um, 15 of those records are held by oil companies, and then five are held by Apple. Um, and, and finally, which I, this is actually probably the most interesting stat, this is uh, on an article that Gruber linked to on uh, Stratechery. Hard to say. Um, due to um, the strengthening U.S. dollar this quarter, I guess Apple had uh, seen a reduction in uh, of about five percent in their revenues compared to, you know, had the dollar stayed relatively flat, which ended up being um, a loss of about three point seven billion dollars, which is more than Google made in profit this last quarter. So. As this article points out, Apple lost more money to currency fluctuations than Google makes in a quarter. That's that's pretty crazy. Um, it is. So there's a couple of things about this quarter or Apple kind of wrapping up the year that I thought were interesting. So I think what concern. So do you want to talk about the positive or the negative first? Um, I. I, I guess I'll I'll hear. I mean that I think we just kind of wrapped up the positive for the most part. I I think I know where you're going with the negative, and I I do think it's interesting. Well, so there's a couple of things. So and again, you know that I'm I'm I I buy tons of Apple stuff, and I very very much enjoy the products, and I think they're a very healthy company. 
Um, but a couple of concerning things are that with the uh, fourth, I think it's the fourth or the fifth uh, straight quarter of declines in the iPad, uh, the iPhone, I think, now comprises, what is it, 68% of all total revenues for the company? I, Does that sound right? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking, even, you know, even Apple is elegant with their financial summaries, which you link to here. Oh, it's pretty. It is, it's very pretty. It's very easy to read. Um, so of the $74.6 billion of revenue, the iPhone contributed about $51.2 billion. So yeah, your percentage sounds about right. So that's concerning. It's not really concerning. It just it speaks to how gigantic the iPhone business is and also how much the kind of the iPhone release quarter and also the holiday quarter are for them because that's the entirely the biggest quarter of the year and it's going to resume it's going to kind of like go back to normal levels very soon but it's worrisome in the sense that let's say they make the iPhone success or some something and it's just like a a total flop not i mean that would be very very hard but that means that their fortunes are very 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 dependent on one particular product and since the other second largest revenue generating portion of their business has been in decline for the, over a year. That's a little bit concerning, is it not? It is, um, especially the way that I look at the iPhone. You know, they they saw a huge bump year over year, and that, that's really the fair comparison to make. Is 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 their fiscal Q1 this year, which includes the holidays, versus their fiscal Q1 of last year? And in this financial summary, they highlight that you know, there was a forty six percent increase in unit sales of the iPhone. But there was a 57% increase in revenue, indicating that, you know, some of these uh, more expensive models, namely the iPhone 6 Plus, really helped with, you know, the, the, the top line. Um, and what I think is interesting about that is I feel like for the last couple of years at least, coming out with a bigger screen iPhone was sort of the thing that everybody was waiting for. That was, um, as you would say, the, the next frontier for the iPhone and well in in certain markets in certain markets um because i don't think that was really that much of a factor in the united states it's really what's allowing them to expand their business in the markets where that's actually going to make a difference to the bottom line perhaps which is asia well in in any case i th- i think the the point i'm trying to make here is that i'm not really sure what the next logical big step is for the iphone um, I, I think the the bigger screen jump has been on the wall for a long time, and I'm not I'm not really sure what that next big thing is that's going to cause iPhone sales to you know go up another almost fifty percent next year or the year after that. Well, the thing is, I'm not sure it can, nor does it need to. It's really a concern of whether year over year sales for same quarter start declining well okay so i guess because there's only so many phones you can sell and apple still i think gross margins for the for the quarter were about 39 and a half percent so i'm sure they're very very content with selling this many iphones at such a a healthy profit margin well okay so so you put it better so be you know as you pointed out the iphone is such a large percentage of their business and so i think what's going to be the challenge is how do you how do you continue to make the iPhone, you know, how do you make it continue to be viewed upon as one of the best, if not the best smartphone in the market? So it's just, it's just I, think, I think it does put a lot of pressure on Apple to 
continue to improve upon and get people excited about the iPhone. And I just, I don't know, it just seems like over time, it's just going to become harder and harder to do that just because, you know, there are fewer obvious things that you can do to throw into the next model. Live tiles. <laughs> uh, yeah, perhaps. Um, or, um, or alternatively, uh, what do you call it? Um, holographs and Minecraft. <laughs> like that. I think uh, Microsoft's got a lock on the hologram market. Yeah. Actually, not not to to derail too much. Can you just explain really, really briefly what the HoloLens is? Is it like an Oculus Rift thing just for everyday applications? I, I have. I di- I don't totally I get have it. No idea. Okay. I watched the demo video and said, "Wow, that all looks really CGI and fake. That's never gonna ha- That's never gonna work." And that that was it. That's the spirit. I no. I I'm I've become very um. You know, I guess as you as you've gotten older, you've become a little less um um spontaneous with your technology purchases um and i guess what's happened with me is i've just become i used to get very excited about these these product uh, unveilings and now now unless you when you announce your product unless you give me a price and a shipping date i i just could care less because to me unless you give me a date and a price your product's not real and I think that's that's all Microsoft's announcements this last week, except for like Windows 10, obviously. It's just a bunch of pie-in-the-sky crap. Mm. Well, on that note, um, going back to the original topic, uh, Tim Cook on the earnings call clarified that uh, early 2014 for the Apple Watch means uh, April of two th- or sorry, um, 2015 uh, means this April. I thought it was, did you hear, so did you hear how he kind of came to that conclusion? I thought this was kind of clever. What was that? So he said that Apple views the first four months of the year being the early part of the year, the middle four months being, well, the middle of the year, and then the last four months being the end of the year. He said that's how, that's how Apple views the year. <laughs> Which, I mean... There, there are only three seasons in Apple time? I guess. I mean, it's, it's somewhat hard to argue with that logic, but... And he, and he probably said it in that, like, Southern drawl, or... Right, it's not really a draw, but he 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 says everything in a word that like you were like, yep, yep, Tim, yeah, totally, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, I I think most of the rumors had been sometime in March, um, but you know they're rumors, whatever. And I I don't really I don't really see the the watch coming out in April as being any sort of bad sign or anything. I think I think you can make a reasonable argument that April is still the early part of the year um and actually let's use this as an excuse so what is your um your plan to either get one or not get one and your immediate kind of like outlook uh, on the product based on what you've heard from developers developing for watch kit the like battery life estimates that have kind of leaked out how, how do you feel about it are you still as uh excited about it as you were yeah i mean my my plan is to you know assuming they make pre-orders available which like i certainly hope they do i will pre-order one immediately just like i do with like the new iphones um but you know my expectations are that it it's probably going to be very very limited in terms of what third-party apps can do um i I think that most of the big third-party apps at least from the start are going to mostly just be basically just notifications from apps that are you know on your phone and I think the battery life's going to be relatively disappointing. I think 
I think you're going to be in a situation where with normal use, um, you're going to, you know, so we're, you know, we're here about 10 o'clock at night recording. I, I think you're going to be in a situation where come nine or 10 o'clock in the evening, you're going to be real, real low on battery. Um, I think one, so it one sounds of, like, well, it sounds like you just mentioned a whole bunch of reasons not to buy it. So I, again, I guess what, what makes you excited about it? You just kind of listed a whole bunch of negatives. Well, for me, I mean, the first part of what I talked about with third-party apps being limited, I've, I've used this example over and over again on the show, but that's pretty much what the Pebble is. And I, even with, I mean, the Pebble's even more limited than the Apple Watch is going to be, of course, just given the screen technology it's using and everything. And I still find that to just be indispensable. Um, and, I, and I, one of the ways I can kind of describe what I mean by that is, like when I go when I go out for like a nice dinner or something, I'll generally wear, you know, I have a just a regular you know stainless steel watch, um, and I'll leave my Pebble at home, and I definitely do find myself missing when I you know feel the, my phone vibrate in my pocket. I miss being able just to glance down at my wrist and see you know, what the notification was. So that I I do find that even in a limited form to be very very useful. Um, and, and, you know, the battery life thing, you know, I, it's, it's not entirely dissimilar to my iPhone, really, where if I'm not diligent about keeping it on the charger that I have at work throughout the day, you know, I'm, I'm pretty lucky to get through an entire day with it not dying on me. So, you know. I don't I notice I don't view the battery thing as being much different than my phone and considering how useful but I think the Apple Watch is gonna though. be, there's I don't really mind charging it. Well what's the difference? You you can have your phone and you can generally be able to use your phone while it's connected to a charger. You can't do that with the watch. Like let's say you you have a you have a really uh, a really exciting night and you, you don't have a chance to charge uh charge your Apple Watch. And you go to work the next day, and the screen doesn't light up because it's completely dead. And you have to leave it sitting on the second MagSafe adapter that you had to spend an extra $40 on because it's Apple. And it's just sitting on your desk. How likely are you going to to wear it every single day if several times a week you're going to have to <laughs> not wear it from 9, to 9 a.m. to 1 p.m.? <laughs> Thank you, Renee. I think you're grossly overestimating how many exciting nights I have where I'm not going to be able to charge my Apple Watch, but I'm 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 humbled that you that you see my lifestyle that way. I assume it's raves and Uber all the time. <laughs> yeah, huh? Are raves still a thing? Probably. Uh, sure. But like that's that's like so I was I've discussed this with a lot of people where because you can't like it's if your phone's dead, you can still use it on a charger. And have like, and it, it's still like eighty five percent as convenient to you, plugged into a charger as it is in your hand, untethered. Whereas a watch isn't that way. And if it's if it lives most of the time connected to a charger, and you don't really get used to wearing it, it doesn't become that like valuable or attached to you. So that's the part where I think it's gonna be really tricky for a lot of people. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with any of that. I think I think battery life is going to be the number one issue it has. Um and it's something that I think will get better over time. I don't know with either software updates or presumably with newer hardware down the road, which is as we talked about many shows ago, it's going to be fascinating to see what the 
hardware upgrade path is like on this thing. Um, but I, I, I do agree with you that that's going to be one of its one of its biggest challenges. And assuming the Apple Watch Sport, uh, the aluminum one, is the 350 model, um, what price point does the slightly nicer version have to come into uh, for you to consider it? I, I don't think I don't think I would consider it. Um, just even if it, to, even if it was four ninety nine, like not that much more. Yeah, because I I don't think I'd want to have a stainless steel model for like when I go for a run. And what I what I what I think what at least my initial plan is that from the pictures that I've seen, even the aluminum um, watch looks really nice in one of their stainless steel bands. So. For me, I'd rather have the flexibility of wearing it when I'm working out and then having the option to sort of swap out the band to make it look nicer if I want to wear it to a you know, more formal occasion as opposed to starting with the more formal one and then trying to work out with it. Okay, so you've got a pre-order in for the, uh, the Apple Watch Sport with the uh, lime green of course, yes. plastic band. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yep. And the uh, the one of the the darker stainless steel band, not going leather. No, no, I'm uh, with watches. I'm more of a stainless steel guy. Okay. Hmm. Do they have a picture of that on their website? That seems like that would clash and just look kind of weird. Um. Because the 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 aluminum has kind of like a brushed, non shiny texture to it, right? I had th- I thought there was a picture. I don't know if it was on the website. I thought there was a picture somewhere showing what that looked like, but. Um, I don't. I don't think it would clash. No. Hmm. Actually, you know, one of the interesting things I'm curious to see is, and this kind of goes back to the battery question. So, you know, one of the one of the things the watch is obviously going to do is is to not have the screen always on. It's good. The the screen will basically be off whenever you're not actively looking at or using the watch. And you know that that's something that's different than something like the Pebble where because of the e-ink screen it's using, the, the screen is always, I mean, in, in air quotes, on. You can always just glance down and look to see, you know, what time it is. I'm going to be really curious to see how well and when the screen turns on with the Apple Watch. Like, am I going to be able to have, like, I mean, I assume I'm not going to be able just to have my, like, arms resting on a table or something at a meeting and be able to glance down at my wrist and have the watch know that I want to be able to see what time it is. I assume you're going to have to like move your arm in some way to activate the screen. I assume that it'll just be fairly sensitive and just based on minor movements, it'll turn on just for just a couple of seconds at a time. But the only tricky part is that um, based on some of the Android Wear devices that I've used, um, what happens like when you're in a situation where you don't want it lighting up? Exactly. Because Android Wear has a feature called theater mode where it won't wake up based on how your wrist turns. But then that seems like a huge pain in, butt, uh, pain in the butt to turn that on and off. I mean, yeah, I assume that there'll be like the do not disturb equivalent from the iPhone on the, on the Apple Watch. But, but doesn't that add a layer of complexity that most people right. wouldn't want? Isn't that un-Apple-like? Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the Pebble has a do not disturb function too. Well, but the and Pebble doesn't light up though. It does. It has a backlight? It does, yeah. An automatic backlight? Yeah. Huh. Um, and, it, and, you know, similarly, um, the, the, the do not disturb 
both you know disables the screen and it it also disables the vibration when you get notifications. And um, you know, does you the Apple see... Watch vibrate? Yeah. Well, it it it's got that. Um, Apple doesn't call it vibration. It's got the little. It's got the, the sensor underneath that kind of like. I don't know. I know it's got the the heart rate like measurer. No, but but they they also they yeah they also talk. Well, they they talked about in the announcement how the vibration is set up in such a way where only you can know it's happening. (laughs) Oh right. Well, I mean that is something because like the the pebble you can practically hear from across the room when it vibrates. I'm I'm not kidding. So it's like a Nokia phone. (laughs) Yeah. Um, In fact, it's funny with the pebble because. When I when I have it off and I'm it's just sitting on a desk here at home and it and it and it, when it vibrates it, it scares the shit out of me every time it happens. <laughs> uh, I mean I have I have the do not disturb on a timer, so you know most of the time when I'm at home, it, the do not disturb functions enabled on the watch. But in the rare instance I get a notification prior to do not disturb going on and I'm at home, it's yeah, it's terrifying. Um, but yeah, I I don't know I'm. I'm interested to see how the screen turning on and off, how that works. Because I, I do think there is some function lost in a watch where you can't just glance down at your wrist and be able to see what time it is. But I don't know, maybe it will be smart enough where even if you do just slightly move your wrist in such a way that most people would when they're glancing down at their wrist, if if that's what triggers the screen to turn on, then I mean, maybe that maybe that'll work, but I don't know. Did you look at any of the um, the leaked screenshots from the uh, Apple Watch companion app? Yeah, we we talked about it on the show a little bit. Oh, um, do you, do you remember? <laughs> yeah, avid avid listener. No. <laughs> um, do you remember the? Uh, there was a section about like you could add a lock code to the watch. Right. Did that part make sense to you? No. Because that seems like that defeats the whole darn purpose of the watch. Well, and I, I think what had come out was that that's required in order to use Apple Pay on the watch. I believe. Huh. Um, and then I think the way that it works is once you enter the code, as long as you don't take the watch off, you don't have to enter it again. Oh, like, that, like okay, the watch, that makes like, sense. Like the watch knows, again, with the, whatever sensors it has underneath the face, it knows whenever it's it's been taken off of your wrist. So, but I mean, you know, I, if you're like me, I mean, I take my watch off every night, and well, with the Apple Watch, you're gonna have to because you have to charge the thing. Um, so you're gonna, ha- you know, you have to enter that code at presumably at least once a day. Yeah. Do you think there's gonna be an Apple Watch Mophie? <laughs> I I don't mean that in a in a in a sarcastic or a funny way. It's yeah, I th- I think it's I think it's entirely possible. <sighs> I think there I think if the battery life thing is a real issue and it is what people are um most down about with the Apple Watch, I I do think there will be third-party hardware solutions to try to remedy that. I mean, and based on nothing at all, like no actual like evidence or knowledge. I think the Apple Watch is probably going to get you safely a day of battery life. I think it's just getting into that second day that's going to be the problem, which for which for any normal user, I think will be a problem because who remembers? Like, I think at least once a week, I forget to charge my phone or just forget to plug it in. And with the watch, that's a non like you, that just can't happen. Yeah. So there was um right 
kind of right after last week's show, there was a, a series of rumors, I think, which started at 9to5Mac, which outlined the battery life. And, you know, they 9to5Mac has a decent track record. And what they're saying is that Apple Apple's goal is 19 hours of mixed use, which is what they're what they're saying. Mixed use being, you know, the watch just kind of sitting there, not really doing anything, and then you actively using it, you know, through like a running application or something like that. And within that 19 hours, they're defining, you know, about two and a half to three and a half active hours. So um it's hard to yeah it's hard to see any scenario where those numbers get you to two full days of use and also does that factor in like a full workout session yeah that's that's because i assume that's one of the more draining activities if like all its sensors and stuff are uh working a lot harder i mean i think i briefly mentioned this before too that's that's certainly something i see on my pebble where i have to charge it almost every other day when i'm actively running because when you run the screen, you know, because your arms are just moving all the time, the screen basically stays, or the backlight, I should say, the screen stays constantly on, and that that drains the battery pretty quick. So, I'm assuming something like that would be the case with the Apple Watch as well, because I'm not really sure if it even has the ability to have some type of setting with a um, a fitness application where you basically tell the watch hey even though my arm is moving around don't turn on the screen yeah i I think the more settings that apply to this the more difficult and less likely you are to use it yeah i yeah yeah. it can't be that you're managing a whole second device it's just supposed to be a, a convenient accessory to the device you already allegedly love yeah hmm okay so uh back to earnings or whatever this was well, 20 minutes we, ago. Yeah, I think we, at least with the Apple stuff, I think I think we hit on the highlights. I, I it's staggering numbers, obviously. Um, well, so but... so you you put a you put a link into a Recode article um, that made this weird suggestion that I'm not sure I agree with. That Apple and Samsung are now in a dead heat for smartphone dominance. Mm-hmm, so so right. what 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 did you mean when you linked uh, when you linked to that? Well, I think the perception has been. And I, I'm I'm not saying that you know the the perception is is actually what reality backs up, but the perception is that you know because Samsung has sold more units than Apple the last few years, that means that they have you know in air quotes dominated the smartphone market. Um, now you know as as Gruber consistently points out, there's kind of two different ways to really look at any kind of market, specifically you know in this case the smartphone market. You can look at market share or you can look at share of total profits. And, you know, Apple has just destroyed everyone with owning. I mean, they own, what, 70, 80 percent of profits in smartphones. And then, you know, they own, you know, depending on what market you're talking about, maybe 20 percent of the smartphone market in terms of unit sales. And so in that sense, you know, people have said that Samsung's been ahead of Apple because people, for whatever reason, people just like to focus on unit sales and market share. And what this Recode article is pointing out is that Apple sold about 75 million iPhones this quarter, and while Samsung didn't specifically disclose how many smartphones they sold, I guess some people have somehow estimated that they sold somewhere between 71 and 75 million this quarter. So, 
because those unit sales numbers are even now, people are saying that Apple has caught up to Samsung. But do you think the quality of an Apple hardware sale and a Samsung sale are equivalent? No. Because not every, not all of those sales are Galaxy S5s or uh, like Note 4s or any like high-end smartphone, whereas the, the cheapest iPhone is $450, even in developing markets. So I don't know, that's, that's the part that m concerns me when people try to act like it's even that close. Because unit sales just don't tell the whole story and profitability, like it's, it's just, uh, it's tricky. Right, Apple, Apple is selling a premium, premium version of a smartphone from the bottom of the line to the top of their line. Whereas with Samsung, you've certainly got a lot more variability. I think a lot of the customers Samsung has are customers that wouldn't be Apple customers and Apple doesn't even want or, or does not have a product that caters to them. So this, this is a good transition. This is actually the thing that I most wanted to ask you about this week is Samsung also released their earnings. And particularly in their smartphone division, they're seeing declining profits. They're seeing declining unit sales. Um, I wanted to get your take on that. Like, why, why do you think that is? It seemed like for the last few years, you know, Samsung's smartphone division had been generally very profitable. Profits were increasing. It seemed like at least their higher-end smartphones were, were fairly well-received in the market. And it seems like that's um, changed somewhat suddenly. So I think a lot of that, I mean, that makes sense because Samsung for a while filled this kind of spot in the market for a hot, like a slightly higher-end equivalent compared to what Motorola and LG and HTC were pushing out. But now they, like a lot of, I think... If you ever read like The Verge or any of those other like um like you know the place where like fanboys and like stuff hang out like a lot of people seem underwhelmed with the Galaxy S4 and the S5 and they just don't think that they're that much newer and they think that like other things are maybe more more inviting and also companies like Xiaomi and lower end hardware manufacturers are taking a lot of the unit sales in Asia and places where phones have to be much cheaper. So I think Samsung is failing at the high end of the market and also at the low end of the market, which doesn't leave a lot left over, especially not a profitable segment of the market. I, yeah, no, I, I mostly agree with that. But I, the last point I think is, is somewhat interesting because didn't it didn't it also come out this week that Apple's actually now the 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 market the number one smartphone manufacturer in China, which is typically I don't think one of the so. markets. I I think that is the case. I, I'll I'll tell, maybe if you can kill some time here, I can try <laughs> sure. to. Um, I can try. I thought I one of the articles I linked to had indicated that. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. Samsung, they're they're no they're in a very weird spot. I mean, like HTC is still pushing out phones that people think are sort of interesting, but it's, it's, I don't know. And again, you can't overstate how important the six plus is for the Asian market. So. Well, I, I can't, I can't find that article, but I, I thought, I thought one of the articles I linked to it indicated that Apple, Apple in terms of even market share was doing very, very well in China. They're, do, they're doing far better than they had before. Yeah. And they, uh, they pushed up like, cause you know how Apple always had that release schedule of 
well, these countries are getting it this time and these countries are getting it another time. Right. They pushed China up into a much better tier since they've identified that that's the growing market and that's where the 6 Plus is going to sell exceptionally well to the point where I think they have, uh, as of like this weekend, 16 Apple stores. But by the end of like 2016, they expect to have 40 Apple stores. So Apple understands that this is a very, very important market segment and it's geographically, it's a very important region to their growth. Because the U.S. and, or sorry, the North American and the European markets are kind of completely saturated right now. And people are just buying new phones every couple of years. So the, um, you know, the two big things you cited with um, people sort of just cooling off towards, you know, the maybe what they would consider lackluster features in newer models and increasing competition. Like, are, are these, these are things that Apple has to worry about too, right? Less so, because I think there's a lot less competition. When somebody buys into iOS as opposed to Android, there's no competition. Like if somebody still is enamored with Google services and Android as a platform and does not like Apple, they have a lot of choice. And when there's a lot of choice, there's not a lot of profits to be had. That's a really good point. Because again, Google doesn't care uh, if, if Samsung's making money. And Samsung has no power to differentiate their hardware over somebody else's because Google keeps pressuring them to get all their crapware off the phones. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's just tricky. And Samsung build quality and Samsung's software differentiation, the little that they do now, is no, nobody actually likes that. So mm-hmm. it's tricky. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a really good point about there being really only one way to get iOS versus lots of different ways to get Android. Yeah, and Windows Phone. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, so I guess so to, so to close out, to, to kind of wrap up the financial talk, um, you know, the other big earnings that came out this week were Microsoft's. And there's, there's only one thing I want to um, point out with Microsoft's is that their um, Windows Phone revenue um, substantially decreased, um, dropping, I guess, 61%. I'm trying to see if this is year over year, quarter over quarter. I think it's year over year. Um, I mean, that, that's, that's very problematic, isn't it? I don't think so. Not at all. I mean, how so? Because mobile, I mean, we say this over and over again on the show, mobile is where everything is going. So if you're Microsoft and one of your fastest declining divisions is the market which is otherwise growing the fastest. I yeah, mean, but when, when was it making money? Well, I mean, maybe. So, so, so a, decline maybe of, a decline of almost nothing to less than almost nothing isn't. <laughs> well, okay. Like they weren't succeeding. But, but that okay. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. Isn't it, I mean, isn't that a huge problem? I'm not sure, because again, like I, I think everybody, including Microsoft, understands that it's it, it's it's iOS or Android. That that that's it. There's every, the whole the marketplace is too mature for anything else to achieve anything but minor success. And I think that's why they're kind of going for this whole um, one operating system everywhere kind of thing where they really just expected to be on PCs and uh, Surface devices, and if some weirdo wants to buy a Windows phone, then I'll then so be it. I, I'm not sure they care that much. Like, I think Microsoft is willing to let Windows phone kind of wither away and die, just in the same sense like that I, I think I brought it up a couple weeks ago, that it's really strange that iOS has a newer, more fully featured version of Microsoft Office 
than Windows Phone does. Like that, that's crazy. So, I mean, don't you think, though, that it, it's a relatively fair statement to say that over the course of the next, let's say, five to 10 years, that more and more of people's time is going to be spent on what we would consider to be mobile devices, whether they be phones, tablets, or other some type of portable, as compared to the amount of time that they're spending on a traditional laptop or desktop. That That's a fairly fair statement, correct? Absolutely right. So given that that's the way we think things are going. If if Microsoft isn't relevant at all on the devices that people are going to be using more and more, that's not true. That at seems all. very no, no, no. problematic. But but it's not. Just because Microsoft doesn't make the operating system that those devices are running doesn't mean that the applications and services they are using on an iOS or Android device aren't by, uh, being run on Microsoft Azure. That aren't opening and reading Microsoft Office documents that you can get an Office 365 subscription for, that you're not using Bing, that you're not using any of the things that actually make them money. Microsoft, I think, I think they understand that they have to adapt into the places they can actually make money. And that's why they're giving away Windows 10 away. They, it's the licensing fee that they were going to get from Samsung or whoever made a Windows phone the like the initial 30 bucks that's not what they care about anymore because they're not going to succeed there microsoft needs to be everywhere else that's why they're investing so much in cloud services that's why they're investing so much in the web and everything else so no i i think they understand where they are and where they need to be and i think microsoft is still very present on mobile well but okay i i agree but here's the problem with that so another um, bullet point in this Ars Technical article summarizing the Microsoft earnings is that office consumer revenue was down 25%. Mm -hmm. So not, o not only is Microsoft becoming less relevant with the operating system itself, but it seems like some of these other services and software that you're alluding to where maybe they can continue to be relevant, those are also not doing particularly well. Well, sure, their legacy businesses are dying too, but they're just trying to make that happen as slowly as possible. Also, what so what Microsoft, is, what is Microsoft their new... knew that charging four hundred dollars a a license for Office wasn't going to last forever. That's why they're still making all their money off Exchange, and they're trying to to pivot into Azure. So that's so that so that's that's what you're saying is that the future of Microsoft is going to be things like Azure and and Exchange. Exactly. Just like in the sense that like, uh, you don't ever, you, you don't buy Adobe software, do you? I mean, I have, I have Lightroom, but that's, that's it. So the thing is like back in the old days, uh, Adobe used to charge you like uh, between five, uh, 500 and $1,500 for a copy of Creative Suite. And they have moved into a subscription licensing model where you now pay $50 a month to get all of Creative Suite. And that's the same thing that Microsoft has done with Office 365. They understand that they're no longer going to be able to sell, at least to individuals, $150 to $400 licenses of Office. So getting it cheaper and be making it available on mobile through subscriptions is the way forward. So I, I think Microsoft gets it, and a lot of it is just kind of self-preservation where they're trying to stem the losses as much as they can to be able to fund operations to get them where they need to be. I don't know. It, it's a big change, but I think they're, they're doing fine. Well, yeah, to support um, to support what you just said, they, this our technical article does also say that Office 365 consumer revenue was up 169 percent, up to 9.2 million subscribers. Yep. So, 
Because again, if you ask most people, uh, like college students or like homes that that need that kind of stuff, ten bucks a month for Office that you can run on all your devices, including mobile, including iOS, because you know you don't own a Windows phone, that's not a bad deal. And that's one hundred twenty bucks a year. That's more than they were getting from somebody spending one hundred fifty dollars once every four years. You haven't you haven't really looked into Office three sixty five outside of knowing that it was about one hundred and twenty dollars a year. What do you, what do you get with that? You just get the the latest version of uh, Office Professional for up to five computers and uh, mobile rights, and you get a whole bunch of whatever the hell it's called, Live or OneDrive or SkyDrive storage, whatever the hell their Dropbox thing is. And what what is what is Office Professional now? Is it is it still you know Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Outlook? Yeah, and I think you get like Publisher, and you know, like if you pay extra, you get Access. Do people use Access anymore? Do you get do you get Front Page still? Front page got discontinued, didn't it? <laughs> that's that's. There's the no joke. way that front page is still a thing. That's that's the joke, man. Oh my god, front you're, page. you're killing me. <laughs> Wikipedia, <laughs> uh, it's discontinued software. Okay, good. Yeah, it got discontinued. Gosh, it might have been like a decade ago now. Last stable release eleven years ago. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I distinctly remember. Um, my dad buying me a copy of front page i was doing um i was doing some web stuff uh both for school and for a couple of personal things i i i had and um he was nice enough to get it for me uh you guys were not a mac household no mm-mm. no i i mean I, as as i've said on the show my first mac was not um until that macbook pro that i bought our uh the summer between our junior and uh, senior year of college oh gotcha yeah, so there's no Macromedia Dreamweaver for you. Gotcha. Uh, that was that was the um, the uh, the big front page competitor, right? I don't think front page had any competitors because it was just so terrible. No, front page was fine. No, it wasn't. I thought it was fine. It was fine in like 1998. Hmm. Like it, like back when like Internet Explorer four was a thing, and people had realized or didn't realize how awful it was at like being a web browser. Yeah, it was fine then. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, agree to disagree, as we frequently do. <laughs> I miss Netscape. <laughs> uh, All right. What else we got? There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff. Um, I feel like there's there are too many Lyft and Uber articles in this Slack to just ignore all of them. I, I don't. I continue to be amazed that this is the thing that we always come back to on the show, but. We got, we got it. We got to talk about some of this stuff. Do you want? Do you want to talk about the uh, really insensitive and um, disingenuous article about how Uber is uh, taking all drunk drivers off the road? I do. That's that is the one I want to talk about. That's the one I I linked to. I think so, even you can't defend this. No, I can't. You're 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 100 right. So the article that Uber put out um, on their blog earlier this week is that um, since. Oh, let me see if I get this right. Um, so they, they say, in California, Uber's, as they say, is Uber's home state and largest market. Drunk driving crashes fell by 60 per month among drivers under 30 in the markets where Uber operates following the launch of UberX. Um, I mean... <laughs> You know, I think we we both uh, we both at some point in our I believe our high school career we we both took statistics. This is correct, right? Um, 
I, I remember something about their, you know, cor correlation not being causation. I think that's that's the phrase. I I guess that's 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 about all I can say with this is that I I, I think it's um I think it's very difficult for Uber to make the leap that they have been the primary contributor to these statistics. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I, I will say in in some defense of this article that, you know, I, I personally have always been very fortunate since I've turned 21 to live in cities where public transportation and taxis are, are very ubiquitous. So, you know, I, I don't, I, I mean, I, I can honestly say I actually have never heard of any of my close friends um, driving drunk just, just because even the option to do so or the need to do so doesn't really ever present itself in the, in the locations that I've lived in. So I don't know, maybe, maybe something like this is slightly more relevant to somewhere, somebody who lives in like, let's say Orange County where you and I grew up, where, you know, public transit and taxis are not nearly as easily available. And maybe the pressure to drive drunk is, is higher. And maybe that's where something like Uber can come in and, and help with that. I don't know. That that's that's my kind of half-assed argument for the article. But I I mostly am am not super thrilled with what they're trying to do here. So again, for all its faults, like I I it's it's a it's a very frustrating company because again, I say this basically every time we talk about them, there's a lot of people there doing a lot of cool stuff, and it's a decent service. And they're creating tons of jobs, except they're not because they make independent contractor positions that aren't sustainable. But th this kind of stuff just is completely unnecessary. And it, I don't know, it's just tricky. It, it, it's, it's very tricky. Like, I, like I, I don't mean to, like, I do appreciate the fact that their service gives people more options. And I think for a lot of people who might have chosen to drive drunk, have a different option, but that's, you can't just make a bunch of charts showing different trends and saying that your product did that. Right. Maybe, maybe drunk driving education uh, has gotten better. Maybe more people are using designated drivers. More people are walking. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that could I don't know. Just because I wear a blue shirt and I don't get bitten by a snake doesn't mean the blue shirt is causing me to not get bitten by a snake. <laughs> hey, there you go. You made one work. As long I'm, I'm as long as I'm over five hundred, it's all good. <laughs> um, but no, I, 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 I you're, you're a hundred percent right. It's just uh, such a frustrating company. I will be, I will be taking my uh, two dollar and twenty five cent uh, Uber Lyft, or sorry, what is it called? Uh, oh wow sorry. no it's a uh, oh, lift. no what when i was out i was I, I think i texted you right when i saw this there was a guy who had the little um u sticker on like the the right side of his windshield and he also had the light up stash and i always thought like i knew people did both services but i thought it was really weird and pro and i thought it would like not be allowed that you would show both at the same time I, I would imagine that it's it's it technically against the rules of each company, but I, I've been in I've been in at least half a dozen Ubers that have also had their Lyft mustache up. Yeah, the new one looks cool though. 
Yeah, so that's that's something that came out recently on the Lyft side is they're, thank goodness, they're doing away with the awful, like, hairy, big mustache on the front of your car, and instead they've got this much more discreet little, like, LED mustache that just sits up on your dash. Um, and as you may, kind of made a joke to, they Lyft has come out with a promotion, at least here in San Francisco, where... Your Lyft ride is two twenty five, which is the the same price as taking Muni here in here in in the city, as you say. If you share it with other people and you go into only a certain part of San Francisco, but right. Well, and Uber's doing a promotion now in San Francisco, where with Uber Pool, it's five dollars anywhere in the city. So how long until you uh, these companies start paying you to take rides, and it's just ad supported <laughs> by Squarespace? Uh, they, I'd, I'd sign up for that. Oh. Um, yeah, I, you know, we, we talk a lot about kind of the predatory pricing, or I, I mean, as you, you say predatory pricing of Uber, uh, and I, you know, I most of the time staunchly defend them, you know, Lyft's getting involved here too. I I think this is all just getting ridiculous and unsustainable, which again is, which, which is why I want them to be regulated. Um, I want everybody to be a commercial driver. I want I want I want ride sharing to be as difficult as possible. I see. I I I don't I don't agree with that. I want these guys to be public companies. That's where that's where on the financial side, a you get to see all the information. Well, talk about regulation. Well, I'm talking about pricing, because I I don't I don't even think you need regulation. I think if you're Uber and Lyft and you become a public company and you come out with a two dollar and twenty five cent promotion. You got to justify that to shareholders somehow. It, well, it's it's to break the the kneecaps of your closest competitor. Well, maybe, but if you're coming out and losing money hand over fist, that doesn't fly when you're a public company. It does if you're Amazon. Amazon's a very very rare exception, and even for them, the last couple of quarters have not been very good in terms of their stock price. All right, so so two negative. Uh, so they they got away with it for fifty quarters. The these are the two that matter. I I would be very surprised if a company like Uber or Lyft became public and it it came out that because of their current pricing model and some of and because of some of their current promotions they were losing great deals of money I'd be very surprised if that was well received in the market. Hmm. So I, I I think I mean I've I've said it over and over again on the show I I think I think Uber is going to start to become a lot more interesting when they're public I think when they're private there's just there's too much. There's too much we don't know, and they don't really have to answer to anybody. Except they'll just continue to raise money hand over fist as a as a as a private company to avoid doing that. Again, they have no issues taking many. Like, what was their re- most recent round? Was it like thirty billion? It was, it was something. It was a lot. Yeah. So again, they have no trouble finding money right now. So why would they lose that competitive advantage of being able to of spend spending money in ridiculous ways? I don't think they would. In exploiting puppies, <laughs> that that bugs me. But anyway, we we won't get into that. That's the part that you're really upset about. They're literally exploiting puppies. Well, I think though that they're they're really trying to promote adoption of the puppies, right? No, they're they're just trying to cater to to upper middle class. I thought anyway. when they they did something I think last year maybe where they did this with kittens, and I, I thought it was generally very, pretty successful. Again, for for 
upper middle class tech workers to take photos to go to Instagram. No, no, no. I think I think they legitimately did have a lot of kittens adopted. Mm. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> Again, I'm I'm gonna defend any Uber article that's out there, man. You know this. All right. What else? It's getting harder to defend them though, I will say that. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> this that um the the drunk driving article, when I saw that, I I yeah. I was I was not pleased. Yeah. So actually do you want to talk about the new one password? Sure. This is um one password five point two for iOS. So the so a- awesome sauce edition. Explain what's say. new to me, because basically does it just have two factor authentication built in? Is that the deal? That's the big feature. Yeah. Um I you know isn't it's that funny. A, isn't for... that a bad thing? How so? I always thought the whole point was that I mean, if if your if your password and your like your second password are together, doesn't that defeat the whole purpose? Mm, I don't know what I don't know what you mean. Anyway, go ahead. Well, I I mean, like if I think about how my two factor authentication works, I have my two factor codes in the Google Authenticator app, so I don't I don't really think it makes any difference in terms of the level of security I have whether those codes live in one password or whether they live in the Google Authenticator app because the Google app doesn't require any sort of password or anything to get into it. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I'm I'm thinking more of using one password on my on my on my Mac and the whole point was you're supposed to have like a secondary device with you to kind of oh, verify it's you. But okay. I mean but if I'm thinking No, that, you're right. Well no, but if I'm thinking that one password is on my phone as well, that's really it's just switching an app. It's not that different. Yeah. I know I, I do see what you're kind of saying in the sense that if, if your laptop were compromised and somehow I guess your one password were compromised, if you had the two factor authentication live on an app that was only on your phone, then you'd actually still be okay. I thought that was the whole point of it, but maybe I don't know. No, no, no. I think I think that is a good point. Um Yeah, I'm I'm not in I'm not in any rush to add the two-factor authentication stuff I have into one password. I'm I'm content with those being elsewhere. And I, you know, I so very seldom have to use them that it's it's not like opening the Google Authenticator app is a is a huge ordeal. Um, I don't. And in terms of like the other features that you know, I as much as I love one password, I actually don't. I feel like I don't really use a lot of the power features. I feel like I'm. I just use the very basics of the app. So a lot of these app updates, I kind of, I guess, don't really take advantage of a lot of the new features. Although they did pretty up the uh, login creator, which is nice. That's always been a little ugly. Yeah. I don't know. I I still enjoy it very much. And when you think, uh, have you ever tried uh, LastPass? No. It's the worst thing in the world. So just be happy 1Password exists. Yeah, I've not like last pa- LastPass is the uh, Samsung Galaxy of uh, <laughs> password. No, it's 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 way worse than that. Sorry, it's what, what's what's a bad company? It's who's the people? Um, do, it's the Kobe of. Uh, you, do you know? Hey, easy. No, no, no. Uh, C O B Y. Do you remember oh. back in uh, like you know the the back in the like the nineties when uh, like you would go to like the the, the film developing counter at drugstores? And they would sell like all those crappy electronics. Yes. Yeah, there was a company called Kobe that made like just really, really shitty Walkman knockoffs. Huh. 
You don't know. I, I don't. I don't remember them now. But do you remember that type of product? I I do. Yeah. Like they always just sold like weird like electronic stuff that was not good at all. Right. Well, this is this is no good. You got to edit that out if nobody understands what I'm talking about. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll call this out. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh man. Um. All right. I think we've we've got time. We're at a little over or around an hour. Um. Yeah. We have time for maybe one more story. Okay. You tell me. Um. Let's see. Let's flick through the um. I don't. I didn't. I didn't understand this um computer chronicles video you put in the slack oh nothing it's just uh, did you ever watch that show as a kid no again it's been a nostalgic week uh it was a really good show <laughs> for like the for um like between like 1985 and like 2000 uh where's this one really cool dude uh who would it was just and now they're all archived on youtube and it's just you just want to know like somebody like benchmarking a 386 versus a 486 <laughs> it's on there uh you remember, you remember benchmarking uh, I, i'm pretty sure that's still a thing is it? Like, not really on, on like, well, you can go to, like, geekbench.com if you want to get, like, Mac benchmarks. But no, back in the old days, like, ah, oh, it's good times. But no, but Computer Chronicles, if you ever just are really bored, just pull up an episode, it's, like, 15 minutes long, and it's just, oh. You know, I can, distinctly, I can distinctly remember in, this is probably mostly, like, middle school, upgrading my video card drivers and immediately the very first thing i would do would be to run i think it was 3d mark that was one of them right one of the benchmarking tools <laughs> it sounds like it and then if if the score weren't higher i would immediately go back to the old driver and then rerun 3d mark to make sure that i was getting like my it's just, ugh, it's just awful i would spend hours doing that hours <laughs> why i don't know Especially during the summer, I would just would spend, I'd spend an entire day like just messing around with video card drivers. Just had the time, I guess. I don't know. For it just for, seems for crazy what, for now. What games? Uh, like yeah, I wasn't even really playing anything that crazy. Just mostly like Counter Strike and Age of Empires. Yeah, nothing, nothing super crazy. Okay. All right. I don't know. And then I guess to wrap up, um, do you want to talk about uh, Taylor Swift uh, attempting to (laughs) trademark uh, this sick beat? So this, um, when you when you sent me this earlier today, or you put it in the Slack, I immediately sent it to a handful of friends on G Chat, um, just because I thought this was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. So so many people, or there's a there it it got reported a lot on the internet earlier today, and a bunch of people kept saying she got awarded the trademarks, and no, she just applied for them. But um, the, the corporate entity that is Taylor Swift, um, yeah, tried to trademark uh, this sick beat and also party like it's 1989, <laughs> and also last but not least, nice to meet you. Where you been? Question mark. So the so the best part about this application by far is I guess one of the things that you have to include in a trademark application is sort of like the types of goods and services that oh, you'd, yes. you'd you'd want to use this trademark for. And so, you know, predictably, you know, some of the things on this list are like recordings, ringtone, sheet music, songbooks, um, you know, that that's that's kind of the obvious stuff, right? No, that's not but all. You, but you, but you go down this list a little bit, and there there are some really really good ones. So we've got battery activated light sticks, battery activated glow sticks, b- 
<laughs> oh, battery activated glow batons. Beach towels. Ba- battery activated glow bracelets. Where the hell? Which one? Are, wait, where is this? <laughs> it's near the bottom of the list. Okay. Uh, lanyards, containers, protective skins for mobile phone, mobile telephones and electronic devices, decorations for mobile telephones and electronic devices, bags for mobile telephones and electronic devices. Wind chimes. <laughs> Household utensils. I I just what what I what I what I want to see is or what I hope that there is is as they were filing this this application there was actually a room full of like a, a sample of each one of these things. No, no, it's it you you know it's just somebody no, doing doing command A on every possible item that could be sold. Like <laughs> oh, I, I, I assume... but I just I just I just in my mind I just want to see a table in a room somewhere where there's a this sick beat battery activated light stick. I want to know what that looks like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's it's really really good. So yeah, that that, that was yeah. Pretty great. And then there's I know there's I I didn't really look at this part until just now, but there below this section there's also something called a classification information section. Uh, where's this? And this is international class. And there's Oh, it just keeps going. Yeah, but this is this is kind of a different like this is kind of a different thing. So this just this so this list starts with scientific, nautical, surveying, electric, photographic, cinematog- cinematographic. I didn't even know that was a word. Optical. And it just kind of goes on and on. But then at the bottom of this list it gets we it goes into automatic vending machines and mechanisms for coin operated apparatus, cash registers calculating machines, data processing equipment, and computers, fire extinguishing apparatus. I'm not really clear what this section even is. Isn't a calculating machine just a computer? <laughs> Life-saving and teaching apparatus and instruments. <laughs> Magnetic data carriers. I, I, I honestly I don't know what this, that section is. All right. I think this is a, as good a place as I need to end it. I, I think so, too. All right. I'll be looking for my my uh this sick beat defibrillator very soon. <laughs> uh right after I get my uh this sick beat battery activated glow bracelet. Nice. <laughs> Wait, is that just coach for Apple Watch? <laughs> oh man, if they come out with a this sick beat Apple Watch band. Wow, but what if that what, you know what? I bet that'd only be available on like the edition edition. Damn it. That's how they're gonna get me. And it won't come in green. <laughs> I know. It's going to be such a dilemma. All right. All right. Ha- have All a right. good night, sir. You too.